Welcome back, or welcome front, if it's the first time joining us. This is the Adventure Game Hotspot Podcast. As always, I'm Joshua and Jack. How the heck are you, dude? I'm great, but uh, man, I'm just busy. <laughs> I mean, I'd forgotten how busy the adventure genre kept me. <laughs> you know, day in, day out. I keep thinking there's going to be a limit, uh, you know, a, a lull, and nope, the next day it's yet another three new games uh, I've never heard of before and two that have come out and, you know, two more reviews landing on my desk kind of thing. So I'm busy. So in the almost 19 years that you've been doing this, is would you say that this is a, a new trend or is it kind of going back towards like the olden days? Oh, no, no. This is, well, no, no. This is way, 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 way busier than it's ever been. And it's been kind of gradually increasing... Mm -hmm sort of the last few years well you know the last decade plus when i when i first started doing year-end awards mm -hmm. like 12 years ago or so i think we had something like 75 games at the end of the year and now we're pushing over 200 so <laughs> there are a lot and i imagine it's because there's more opportunities for indie devs yeah absolutely i mean you know the genre is indie devs now mm -hmm. you know the it, for adventure games, anyway. The the AAA games are all but gone. Even the AA studios are pretty much gone. You know, the Datalics and stuff like that. But, uh, but you know what? I, I can't rave enough about the quality of work that these, you know, quote-unquote indie devs are producing these days. Like, you would never guess. Well, I've been kind of watching your announcements. You know, every single day, you've it seems like you're putting out one or two new game announcements, and I'm shocked at you know I, when I look at the resume of some of these developers, I'm like, whoa, you know, this is their first game. Like, what's going on here? Or this is their you know this is a, a brand new studio. There's some good stuff out there. Oh, it's amazing. Um, you know, our reviews too. Just this past week, we reviewed two games. Mm -hmm. Uh, Perfect Tides and Voodoo Detective, both from first-time developers, and they both crushed it. Particularly Perfect Tides was sort of a turn-of-the-millennium teen drama that was just written so impeccably that our reviewer couldn't stop raving about it. And Voodoo Detective, a gorgeous-looking game gorgeous. that, you know, yeah. would and fit right in with the classics and, you know, lots of comedy and exotic locations and stuff like that it's just amazing from first-time developers like i don't know if you remember um know of him uh yahtzee he's a former game developer and does a lot of podcasts and stuff like that too hmm. you know he, he once said something to the effect of you know a developer should never release their first game <laughs> you know because that's how it used to be like mm -hmm. get all your mistakes out of the way don't you know do a, a big production the first time just learn your ropes small and you know out of the spotlight and then you'll be ready for the big time but you know these new developers these days man they're just hitting the ground running well i played um i played voodoo detective when it came oh, out you? and i had no idea that was their first game until i read that in the review or I, yeah that's what i read in the, in the review it shocked me or maybe you told me that or something but i was like I couldn't believe it because that is a polished game. It's, yeah. it's beautiful. It's a beautiful game and it's well written. And so, yeah. So there's actually yeah. A lot I mean, of, we're oh. we're used to sort of the small, sort of two hour pixel art game, low res kind of thing, which is fine. You know, there are a lot of great games done that way. But uh, now, just because something is, you know, indie, doesn't mean it's, you know, sort of a lesser production quality anymore so foolish morals is one that i'm particularly excited about that is yeah. that you want to talk about good looking game now oh, obviously no. i don't i i haven't played i haven't played the demo i know there's a demo out and everything but it sure looks good and so yeah absolutely again you'd never guess yeah you know first game congratulations to to them and on their successful kickstarter campaign that just ended it literally it, ended just like five minutes ago right or so. yeah and it hit it hit every tier oh yeah and blew it blew it out of the way blew it yeah. out of the waters so 
why don't you kind of give us a rundown of some of these uh, new game announcements that that you've been every day every day the uh, jack how you doing uh, i'm uh I'm in the middle of all these new game announcements. Not that you're you're like upset over it, but you're overwhelmed. And you're yeah, no, it's, it's great news for gamers. Right, Le- less great for me because uh, <laughs> you know I, I want to be able to to do a write up for them all, and mm-hmm. I keep sort of making notes and you know copying everything down and downloading trailers and stuff. But I just seem to keep falling farther and farther behind. But yeah, there's been some neat stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get to a sort of a new, new one, uh-huh. I should mention the big news from Cyan this week, which is that they're doing a Riven remake. Can you imagine that? You mean Cyan's going to do another Mist-type game? A remake of another Mist-type game? What is it, like the 10th uh, time? <laughs> yeah, I'm glad it's not Mist itself, since right. they've done that about six or seven times. But uh, right. But yeah, it's time they turn their sights on Riven. That's going to be pretty impressive. I clicked on that expecting to to see it. They it's just an announcement, literally an announcement. Uh, uh, it's this is the logo type of thing. But, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And well, that's all it. you need. Oh, yeah, exactly. I'll buy it. I've bought every single version since they. Yeah, come yeah, out me too. With Mist, yeah. So, and I'm I'm not good at those games, but I can't resist. And then they keep getting better and better looking and. It's it's pretty impressive. So that's kind of the big news for the week. But uh, yeah, for for other announcements, there's a new game called Deep Sleep: Labyrinth of Fear by Script Welder, who is uh, reviving sort of a decade-old uh, Flash trilogy that he did um, with a sort of full-length commercial game. Um, there's another amazing-looking game called The Graveyard Union, mm-hmm. uh, which is sort of a you know, a, a cartoony comic look with with a serious kind of story um, that's crowdfunding on Indiegogo. Um, I, you know, I haven't really seen a lot of games with, you know, successful Indiegogo. crowdfunders there, but I really hope it does well because uh, it looks really impressive. It, it, if um, I may have a moment for... to, to talk about that, just like my observations as well, I... I think I, that needs some emphasis. It looks really cool. I haven't seen a game like that before. You got some, yeah. you got some zombies. You got some like basically all these dead or undead characters that are working inside an office. What a super cool premise! I love. That. Yeah, the mon- the monsters aren't the bad guys in the uh-huh. graveyard. I mean, they're yeah. in fact they're the the oppressed ones. You know, <laughs> so in fact they've been so exploited by the movie industry that they've had to unionize and hence the graveyard union so so yeah it looks like a lot of fun so i really hope it does well uh there's something for laura bow fans out there um sort of a low res ega style game called signal and echo iris is missing which has got a demo on steam that looks like a lot of fun and a kind of combination of point and click and some unique uh, uses of the text parser so and I guess the other one is Between Horizons. If you liked the game Lacuna uh, from, I think it was last year, or maybe the year before, uh, those developers are coming out with a brand new sci-fi game. So it looks pretty slick. Uh, what about- and that's not all, but that's like, you know, we could fill up our entire podcast talking about the rest of them. So. Well, what about the one that you just put out t- today talking about Deep Sleep? That caught, that caught my eye. Yeah. Well, um, as I said, it's a, a sequel to an old Flash trilogy. Oh, that's the that one was... that you were mentioning. Sorry, I was. Yeah, yeah. I guess I should pay okay. attention to you rather than. Yeah, the way yeah. You when I when I'm talking. talking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, man. you won't be the you won't be the first person to tune me out. So. Well, I won't do it again today. I hope. <laughs> yeah, sure. I see your fingers crossed there. Oh, uh, not my fingers! Not my fingers! <laughs> so. That's kind of a nice little, you know, preface, a prelude into what we're going to be talking about today. The meat of what we're talking about today is what makes an adventure game good. And I think we're going to take this in two separate perspectives. You know, I'm going to kind of give an example of what I personally think an event, what makes an adventure game good to me. 
and then give examples of what it was in a game. And you're going to you're going to dive a little bit deeper because uh you know, you're more articulate than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if that's why, but you know, you got to cover them both. You do the meat and potatoes and I'll do some of the trimmings because you don't get a good game if all the elements don't come together, right? So so why don't you give why don't you start us off? Well, I hate to take low-hanging fruit, but obviously the story it, for for me and if you anybody's followed my my show you know my my weird gaming adventure channel or anything like that you know that story is everything to me you don't have to have good graphics you don't have to have all the other the good stuff if you can captivate me in in a story and i think the biggest thing is right off the bat right off the bat of a game i have to have a reason to go on this adventure I want to, I basically, I want to have a call to action. I don't want to just kind of figure out why I'm going about this game while I'm going about this game. I want to have something that has happened to me, something dramatic, something that makes me want to go and put myself out there on an adventure. Speaking of examples of what not to do is uh, beneath this, not beneath this, beyond... What's the, the new, new one? Beyond, beyond, the still the, beyond the Still Sky. Did you play that one? Uh, you know what? I played about a third of it, and then just it got lost in the shuffle. That was one of those games that there was no emotional context for me. I loved the first one. You know, right yeah. from the beginning, there was like a form of genocide. You know, their whole, all of your your adopted family members you've been kidnapped you know you want to go and get you know you want to get the guys back and this shows a couple minutes of him like kind of fishing with uh with a kid and some monster type thing comes out and gobbles up the kid and then okay now i gotta like go on this crazy adventure again because you don't even know if you like the kid you're just fishing with the kid you know, so I believe that that's something that I need to be stroked. I need that fire to be burning right from the beginning. And I want something to, to keep me going. I want there to be something that uh, doesn't have to necessarily be an entertaining story, but I still want to be captivated by it. History captivates me. Um, places that I've been where you can have a good story, or that I've not been that you can have a good story you know um types of i'll always go to the thing that i love about broken sword right from the beginning you have an explosion you know you have something that like i okay i'm pissed off there's a clown i don't like clowns let's go chase this clown type of thing but throughout the entire game you have locations that are mysterious to me um locations that i would love to be rather than just sitting at my desk you know, you have the Templars, which is a, a source of, of history that is very interesting. And they rolled that into a perfect, a perfect story, in my opinion. What's your thoughts on the story? Well, I hope I was poker-faced enough to not give away any time you touched on some of the points mm -hmm. I'm going to cover later, but... Uh... Okay. You know, because, yeah, story is, well, okay, we should preface this by saying this doesn't apply to all games. We we just mentioned Mist and Riven. You know, there are games where they deliberately don't put story front and center, and there are merits to those, too. Mm -hmm. But in a story-centric game, it's so important to get right. If You know, it's it's kind of like a, you know, like a good movie or a good book or something. If it doesn't grab your attention and, and hold it, then it's going to lose it. And it's especially hard with an adventure game because it's not a linear thing. Pacing is a problem with adventure games because you're working on puzzles and it, it's so easy to kind of lose the, the strain of, of a story. So it's a real balancing act to give players enough to do to have some control, but also to keep the story flowing and going. So yeah, it's it's really, really, really hard to do well. And so yeah, when when a game does like 
you know, say any of the Gabriel Knight games, let's say, yeah, or Broken Sword, as you say, um, you know, they're they're always going to be right up there on people's top ten lists. So where would you put story in your emphasis in having a good adventure game? Well, okay. We've talked before about, I kind of believe there are three central pillars mm -hmm. for adventure games. There's, oh, I'm, I'm probably going to step on some of your no, 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 no. This, <laughs> points this from is later. Discussion. But, uh -huh. Yeah, story, puzzles, and exploration. Mm -hmm. And I would say, yeah, story has to be number one. Um, uh, again, assuming it's not sort of a puzzle-centric game where story is deliberately left in the background right without a good story it's just not going to hold you okay everything else flows out of that i think another thing that will help me continue my adventure is the ambiance in a game so I i'm trying to find one that's not necessarily the low-hanging fruit that i'm talking about I want something that so is... you just jumped the queue, man. You took my turn. Oh, it. Oh, sorry. So I just... thought you were going to go in the more detailed stuff. You, you just going to keep going until uh, I stop you. <laughs> well, this is me stopping you. Well, let me, let me just say ambiance. Like, were you okay. going to say ambiance? I wasn't, but that's kind of getting closer to some of my points. So why don't you jump in there and then I will, I will kind of say, say my thoughts when it comes to that. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of overlap with mm -hmm. with different points. Uh -huh. You know, the, like we can't separate story from puzzles from excellent. You know, exploration is part of puzzles, uh, stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. my, I mean, my first one is sort of an all-encompassing, unique vision. A good game has to have a unique vision. Um, you know, something that makes it unlike any other game, and that could be anything. It could be an art style. Mm -hmm. It could be the story. It could be the main character. It could be a certain style of gameplay, say like Jonathan Blow's The Witness kind of thing. It, you know, the unique vision for any game is whatever the developer imagines it to be, but it should be the one rock solid thing that holds everything together. Um, like it, and I'm not suggesting that every game has to be reinvent the wheel. Mm -hmm. Every game has to be innovative. Not at all. You can you can you know use sort of borrowed you know used elements like, but find something in that to really make it your own. Um, it's okay not to be innovative, but you can't just be derivative and lazy. You know what I mean? You have to find something to make it uniquely yours. So, well, you know, if what's you're a doing, uh, well, I mean, if you're doing, uh, say, a 1920s detective mystery, mm -hmm. well, that's fine. You know, detective mysteries are a dime a dozen, but uh, okay. So let's say you want to put it in the 1920s. Let's say that's your, mm -hmm. you know, specific vision. Then lean into that, you know, do the research, uh, you know, learn the costumes and the settings and the, the lingo and the mannerisms and stuff that really grounds it in the 1920s and makes it something that doesn't feel like, you know, the other 865 uh, mystery detective mysteries, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, that kind of thing. Um, like art style, let's say. We, we, um, there's one coming up called Prim. Yeah. It's a very sort of Burton-esque um, good description. art like style. Mm -hmm. So not innovative per se but they've made it all black and white and they're really leaning into it with the shadows and stuff like that and so like instantly you know it separates itself from pretty much every other adventure game you go oh you know you take one look at a screenshot it's prim that looks good you know it looks amazing so you know your unique thing could be anything but there's got to be something you know you can't just be generic you can't be forgettable Something you want to be known for. Something yeah, that you I can think put so. the first thing on your resume. This is my video game resume, and this is you know this is what pe people are going to describe as that uh, or describe that game as. 
Well, I mean, you can do that with quality too, but I think what what you're trying to do is find that one thing that makes it distinctly yours. Mm-hmm. You know, you know a new Tim Schafer game. Like he is probably sort of the perfect example of somebody who always has a unique vision for his games. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of my my one example here, I think, I don't think it's enough attention is the game stacking. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh man, what an incredibly uh, imaginative, innovative game. It was just so unlike anything else. I've got to actually ask you about that game. Because I had never heard about that until recently, and no. so like I, I never heard of it. You know, somebody mentioned it to me, like I think on my YouTube channel or something, and I stack. I looked at it. And I'm like, huh, doesn't look like anything I'd play. So it must have some some good gameplay to it. And so oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's like, I mean, in a way, it's a bad example because it's. Mm-hmm. So unique, so 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 innovative. And I'm not suggesting that every developer needs to go to those lengths. Like they just need to find the one thing, the one thing, or it can be more than one thing, but at least that one thing that makes, you know, that game, you know, distinctly theirs. I gotcha. Well, you know, you know, my other one, uh, because I mentioned it, I jumped out of line. And uh, and I went with went with ambiance. Yep. So and that that's just a collection of, of a lot of things. Um, I don't want to be sitting still, even if I'm sitting still. I want something to be going on. Um, I want something moving. I want something to be you know some voice or something to be going in the background. I love when developers really put time into sound effects. And if you have a sound effect that holds hands, that marries itself to like the score or the music, you know, like you have something that goes on in the background, then the music goes off. And that is what would keep someone continually playing. Someone like myself who uh, I've got attention deficit disorder. I want something that's going to keep me entertained and keep me excited. Uh, a game that I think of that, that comes to mind is like Leisure Suit Larry 7. That gave you yeah. everything. Now, the game in itself is not that great, but that constantly had some movement. You, you had something going on in the PA. You know, you had little mini games, you know, something in every screen that you can find. And constant uh, com- commotion to the point where it's not distracting but it's entertaining. Each screen has something that's entertaining. That's kind of why I liked the game. The, I was, we mentioned this uh, a couple weeks ago or last week or something. I love like Zelda because every screen, there's something that you can do. It's not the same thing all over the, all over again. So that's, that's a big one for me is the ambiance. Yeah. And you know, unfortunately this kind of goes back to what we were saying about, the adventure genre is all indies now, yeah. which is, this is the one area where I think, you know, we really get shortchanged by the much sort so. of much smaller budgets nowadays because animation is time consuming and expensive to do. Um, you know, sound effects are difficult to do. Music is is difficult to, um, not to compose necessarily, but to to integrate properly. So, yeah, I mean, those are the sorts of things where I think we've kind of taken a step back and, you know, we tend to get more static games or, you know, I've written many a review where, you know, I kind of have to call out the one animation on a screen, you know, as something noteworthy, you know, like, Oh, there's a little cloud rolling by, at least there's something, you know, there's rarely that kind of, you know, busy, background ambiance as you're saying so it's too bad because it does add so much to a game now i would have thought that beyond a steel sky would have met your you know wishes in that regard oh definitely in that regard Uh, actually beyond a steel sky kind of gives you several different things you know what you had mentioned the last you know the last round it has it had something that 
stood out. It had a puzzle that was uh, pretty unique to itself. They kind of overdid it, but yeah, Beyond the Still Sky has a lot of a, a lot of great aspects to it. Yeah, but the story mm -mm, right. didn't work for me. So, yeah, it didn't hook you early enough, and or or at know. all throughout the entire game. <laughs> oh, at all? Okay, yeah. all right. And at the end, I was just angry. <laughs> oh. Okay, I'm not right. gonna spoil. I see us sliding in this uh, overrated game uh, into the conversation a week after the fact. Oh, no. I don't even know if it was highly rated. You know, I think that was more anticipated than than highly rated. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was sort of universally praised, but I think it was generally well received. So, but uh, yeah, get, I can't. If you get one I, of those games, and you and I were kind of talking about this right before we got started. If you get one of those huge IPs that's you know universally loved, you might have people that are going to like it no matter what. <laughs> and so true, true, true. Yeah. Well, so Ambiance kind of slides nicely into my next one, mm -hmm. which is an interesting setting. You kind of touched mm -hmm. on it earlier with a broken sword. Well, I you're believe. lucky you stopped me, man, because I was just gonna ride all over all your points, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah like a game you're going to be spending hours and hours and hours playing a game it's got to be set in a place that interests you um you know it it doesn't have to be exotic it doesn't have to be a tropical island or you know something like that it could be the most scuzzy rat infested scum hole on the earth but then lean into that make that interesting right um you know i've played too many games that are sort of advertised as you know travel to prague and rome and london and i'm going all right and then i get playing and it's all like living rooms and warehouses and stuff like that. i'm going what, what's the point of traveling around the world <laughs> if you don't get to look at anything interesting sure. you know there's you know, you don't see different clothing, you know, like, come on, like, again, grasp, grasp the uniqueness of your locations and, and really lean into them. Because, man, you know, a game that that takes you to interesting places. And again, I, I'm making it sound like it should be someplace exotic. It doesn't need to be. It could be a living room. But, man, make it a really interesting living room with, like, really interesting photos or something that grabs you. Like, it, you know, just anything make the location an interesting place to look at and to be there should be enough interactivity to make you feel like not like you're there but you know sort of you know it, it's escapist entertainment you should feel like That's you're it. escaping the drudgery of your own life and getting to go other places so that we have i believe that's like, in a nutshell yeah. oh go ahead no that's it in a nutshell well like the escapist entertainment why do we read a book? Why do we watch a movie? Because we don't want to be helping our kids do math product or projects all day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's we want to do something that's different. So, like, what? What? Yeah, the... and like, you know, for developers, like, don't don't waste your location. Mm -hmm. You know, build your world through through the visual details too. Um, you know, it doesn't all have to be conveyed through dialogue and. And story, you know, if you if you're in an interesting place that has its own, it should feel lived in. Mm -hmm. Any place that you go in an adventure game should feel like it exists outside of your presence. You know, not just that it exists for you to solve a puzzle, but oh, I've come into this interesting place, and well, there's so much I need to learn now, and so much going on, and wow, this is an interesting place to explore. I can't wait to get started. I agree. Very, very much so. In fact, that's that's hugely important uh, for me. I I think locations in a game are something that I I need. I need an adventure in my yeah. adventure game. Yeah, um, there's not enough adventure in, in too many adventure games. Well, and I I feel like we've kind of gone to a point to where to be different, you kind of have to dumb it down a little bit now. You can't have these uh, these exotic locations because that's been done by all the greats. You don't want to say, oh, that's yeah. a, a broken sword clone or that's a monkey island clone. Well, there was nothing wrong with those. That's that's no. a great. Those were great games. Like, 
you know, you want something that is uh, exotic locations. Indiana Jones, those Indiana Jones games, what do we love Indiana Jones for? Because <laughs> it's an adventure. You're going to yeah. all these incredible places. That's why we read the books. That's why we watch the movies. And that's why we will play Fate of Atlantis or, you know, Last Crusade. Yeah. Great locations. So what's your favorite that you could think off the top of your head? It doesn't have to be favorite, but we'll give a good example of, I probably stole Indiana Jones from you. A favorite, like, location? Yeah, or... like a, a game that gives you some nice locations that you, that captivated you. Like, let's say we talked to Tim Schafer earlier. How about Rubicava from Grim Fandango? I mean, oh, yes. what an amazing location, right? Oh, Yes. Well, I tell you what, that was that had a little bit of everything that we've mentioned so far: story, yeah, location, ambiance. Yeah, I, I don't want to go any further because I don't want to step on anybody else. Yeah. So, and we'll probably be getting to a few others. That, yeah. <laughs> uh, my next thing that I'm going to talk about is interaction. I love interaction, and again this is one of the things that as we go to less cash to develop games there's less interaction but some of the great games that i've always loved you know one of my favorite games of all time is uh, sherlock holmes in the case of the serrated scalpel you could interact with everything a darn near everything you could talk with everyone you were truly investigating I mean, it feels like you were dissecting things with your, with the, you know, you were investigating everything and that's what made the game very difficult, but also yeah. is what made it engaging. Absolutely. I, I want to talk with everyone. I want to look at everything. I want to have multiple options of things that I can do with this item. And that is something that that's really, really important to me. When I had stopped being, uh, having the love of adventure games is when it started going away from that and i feel like there's some games that kind of helped me come back to my love i've mentioned this several different times that i think uh, pendulo studios is that how you say it uh, yeah pendulo pendulo studios oh, with the runaway series there was so much interaction there's so many things that you can you can work with and that rekindled my love of the adventure game genre that's, yeah. that's an example for me, a modern, more modern example. So, Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I don't, I guess if you're going to do voiceovers for everything, then interaction is kind of costly. But I think it's something that can be done relatively inexpensively if, you know, you just sort of have more, you know, subtitles or whatever for interactions yeah i definitely think we've swung too far away from sort of the only thing you can interact with is something you know you're going to need for a puzzle kind of mm -hmm. thing or something essential yeah but I... there's just like so much you can do to again to world build through more interactions so we're missing that and i just played a game i'm not going to say which game it was though but it, there was so little to work with and it was i think the the best way that you could describe that game is is charming you know you have like three or four items on you at all times and there's maybe three things on every screen that you can do yeah. if you don't have more options to work with like that's this isn't there's not going to be a puzzle here yeah i know that's exactly right. yeah, what yeah. i'm going to be doing the whole time it might as well be yeah, a, right. a walking simulator you know yeah yeah exactly put some meat on the bones right right yeah, you and I got to dig deeper into this particular issue, too, because, yeah, I, I, you know, games have kind of gone too far into this. I, I don't like the phrase dumbing down, but it's what um, it is. Yeah, it's... kind of. Or it's certainly a, like a streamlining to the point of, you know, we're just losing something essential now. Mm -hmm. So so, yeah, we got to come back to that. So um, speaking of interaction, mm -hmm. this kind of kind of ties in with my next one which is a uh, memorable lead character mm -hmm. ideally memorable entire cast but i will settle for a memorable lead mm -hmm. character um you know it can't just be some 
generic schmo that you know you don't ever sort of really get to know over the course of game there doesn't need to be any character development necessarily um there doesn't need to be a whole you know character growth arc over the course of the game but there's got to be some depth you have mm -hmm. to have a real sense of who this person is at some point um during the game because you have to care about their fate it's, it's not just enough to be the one in control yeah. you know you need to be invested in in what happens to them too you and want to you know, want i just don't to think they're enough sort of really memorable protagonists yeah i cut you off a little bit there i, I was kind of saying that you want to want to see that your your character it will succeed you, you have to like yeah. your character you can't resent him throughout the game too you know like yeah, that's an interesting one. Like, I think you can do an anti-hero, but it's really, really hard to do properly. But, uh, but you know, I would rather have an anti-hero that I, for some reason, really dislike than have just a nobody that I could care less about. Mm -hmm. You know, that I don't feel I know any better at the end of the game than when I started. And I think, like, you know, the temptation is to just if you're going to develop a character do it all through dialogue have a big you know info dump exposition where you just learn all about their backstories and no 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 it should be very much a show don't tell kind of thing and you can do that through these all these little interactions personality um, yeah exactly like developers should never waste an opportunity to find a way to bring out part of um a character's personality and you can do that with every single hot spot on a screen i mean i've played game where i just click on a chair and literally all they say is an old chair and i'm going what was the point what was the point of that you know that bit of dialogue you could have said anything to bring out just a little bit more personality um you know and that's one of the one of the things that i I was going to say when it comes to ambiance, but that I didn't feel it actually set right there. Um, something to where if you're interacting with an old chair, you can make it funny. You yes. know what I mean? It's something that's going to keep, even though you're not moving around, you're saying something, you know, that I, I'm going to want to click on things because yeah. it's entertaining. And yes. I'm going to go back again. I'm going to go back again and say Broken Sword nailed it. Although a lot of people have complaints against the, the main character, George Stobart. But everything that he touches, everything he, he talks to, like he has an observation and it's a clever, it's something clever. And I'm learning something about that item or that thing that you're you're talking about. He has a, a clever way. Yeah. Well, yeah. Here's my, my example for this one. Mm -hmm. Tex Murphy. Okay. I yeah. mean, how do you not love Tex Murphy? Yeah. I mean, the guy's amazing. I couldn't even tell you what the stories are about anymore. I've been not to say they're bad or but I just don't The stories have never been that. good. But it's I know the that Tex Murphy's Yeah, like the stories it's hard to make a good story. But that character and you know the the characters that go along with them were all great and they worked Absolutely. they blended yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you just, you wanted to inter do the next interaction just to hear another comment from Tex. So, I mean, I'm you know, go not everyone way here has the benefit you... of, you know, like being perfect for their own roles like Chris Jones is, but, uh, you know, but you can still write a good character. Hard to imagine Chris Jones is actually the developer. Like, it's so crazy. Yeah, I know. It's yeah, like he, he wrote... just is Tex. It's, it's like he, he had... knew what he was. Yeah. So yeah. let me go the other way here. What is a, a character, if I don't want to put you on the spot, I have one if you don't want to answer this, but that you truly did not like. Oh, didn't like? Mm -hmm. There probably are some, but yeah. Well, let's hear yours and I'll chew on it for a minute and see if I can come up. Mine's Tony Tough. Oh, yeah. It was because everything that he said, well, obviously the voice to me was just <laughs> it was grating, but everything he said was whiny. And that's the way he said, yeah. I did not like the character. I did not want him to succeed. I didn't want to hear him talk. <laughs> and the things that's that he said and the way he said it was like, this is a chore. 
So, yeah, that's important. Uh, so yeah, think... well, you know, I'm just going to basically copy yours now because um, you just immediately put it in my mind. But LMO from LMO and the Lost Dutchman's Mind, I think I've got that. Exact same thing. Just exact same thing. A really whiny voice. And he's just like, no, please don't ever talk again every time he opened his mouth. So that was kind of the beginning of a of an era where the indie devs were starting to to take control of the scene back then and i wanted to like that game but i don't think i played more than 30 minutes of it for the exact same reason yeah. and i it's I hard for one... me not to play a game if i start something i have to finish it and so yeah, yeah. now we're kind of getting that's more of a voice acting issue mm -hmm. and it wasn't on my list because like i know it's another budget issue for a lot of developers but if you're going to have voice acting, mm -hmm. find the right actors. Don't cheap out and, you know, have bad ones. I, better to just do subtitles than bad voiceovers, I think. Well, and we don't have a lot of time left, but I, I figured this, I'll do a quick one that kind of goes hand in hand with that, is you want to have a realistic dialogue. Yeah. You don't want to have a game that is too much dialogue. You don't want, like you said, a data dump. And every time that they're saying something, you want quick hitting lines, something that like, okay, this is a real conversation. Uh, like Tony Tuff, the, that you mentioned how uh, Al Emma was it? Or uh, is that how? Oh, yeah. The dialogue in that wasn't good either. It, they're trying to make that person that whiny character. So they're, I, I mean, it's good for what they were going for, but wasn't good for me, that type right, of thing. Yeah. Good dialogue is so important. Yeah, yeah. So. And that's not dependent on budget, you know? Oh, oh of course not. In fact, you oh. know, that, that can make a good story yeah. in the way that, that you talk and the way that you interact with other people. Do you have another quick one to, to throw out there? You want to take two? I'll, really quick. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, one is um, user-friendliness. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, my motto here is... if. A developer doesn't value my time then i'm not going to value theirs by playing their game um you know make the interface intuitive you know have manual saves have quick travel maps have what anything to make the experience less frustrating for the player and i know that may kind of go against what some of them are going for in their games but again you know, if you frustrate the player, like that can't be your goal. Right. So, you, you know, don't to want me, that irritate the, the the player in exchange for making your game longer. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, and the other thing, this kind of kind of cheating a little bit. It's not something in a game; it's something outside a game, mm -hmm. which is do enough testing. There's two kinds of testing. There's beta testing, which adventure gamers do pretty well to stamp out bugs and stuff. Mm. The one thing they don't do well, I think, is play testing. And that's just to have enough people play your game to get a proper sense of where your bottlenecks are, where, where your weaknesses are showing, where people are getting bored, where, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think there's enough of that. And the games that do a lot of playtesting are the ones that feel really polished and really refined. The, like the gameplay experience feels like just right. You're going for that just right, um, you know, sweet spot between too hard, too, too easy, that kind of thing. So do, do playtesting and you'll get there, at least more often than not. Again, money and time, you know, I... If that's the time that I mean, I'm trying to put myself in their shoes. That's yeah. about the time in development of a game to where I've done all this major work. You know, I try to put myself as as an artist in their in their shoes. Like, okay, now I'm just almost like I want to cut corners now and just get this thing out there. You know, I don't yeah. want to do all the little polished stuff. I don't want to do all the little necessary things to make the game go from okay, this is good concept to a good game. And, uh, and I can, as an indie developer, I can totally see where that would be an easy mistake to make. Yeah. I'll just well, I think there's... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to throw a quick one out there again, but if you go ahead and throw, say what you're No, gonna I was just going to say, like, I think there's also a tendency to sort of rely on an inner circle of people that are sort of too readily 
willing to say, no, it's really good. It's perfect as is kind of thing. And you need people that will tell you honestly, you will need, you know what? I really had a hard time with this puzzle and this bit felt broken to me and I didn't care about that character at all. You know, get enough of those, you know, sort of competing, balancing opinions and you'll have a better sense of where your game is actually at before you release it. That's where a publisher would be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. uh, real quickly, I, I like games, and obviously this isn't something that you have to have, but for me personally, I like a, a nonlinear game. You know, I don't yeah. want to be told exactly where to go and when to go. You know, I'd like to have little, if if at all possible, little side quests that, that I can do that are outside of what you have to do in the game, but still makes you feel like once again, I'm still doing something while I'm lost, uh, like multiple endings, that type of stuff. So, you know, just, uh, I like to have my, my actions mean something. Every action that means something and have a, a non linear development of a story arc. And yeah. So, well, it's, uh, it's almost done here. And as always, we finish it up by giving five things, five, things that we like five things that we don't like uh, this time we're going to do five things that are common in an adventure game inventory items inventory items that are in an adventure game to me these are super simple and i feel like we'll probably just step on each other but i'm gonna let you go first <laughs> i wrote enough that i make up for your I'm stepping up i'm going yeah. off this right here <laughs> oh right. okay uh -huh. i gotta go with rope I mean, any game will give you a rope because you're going to need it at some point. A rope. I'm going to go with the crowbar. Yeah, that was <laughs> second universal, on my list. Universal tool in an adventure game, the yeah. crowbar. Before I even go on, you know, the, the funny thing about these lists is that the only thing you can be sure of in an adventure game is that you won't have this particular item in the exact situation you need it in. Well, because that's part of the that's part of the puzzle. That is part of the puzzle, exactly. Mm -hmm. So a stick. Okay. You can have have a long stick at some point. You have to move the snake out of the way, or yeah, that's, in the, yeah. that's in the poisonous or the poisonous snake. <laughs> that's makeshift fishing pole or something like that. You're gonna need a stick at some point. I'm gonna go with a shape shifting companion, shape shifting oh, okay. sidekick. Yeah, yeah, those are fun. I like yeah, you get something that, that helps you get through a puzzle, whether it be like yeah. towards passage, whether it be like a Joey type of uh, situation. And yeah. Yep. You're going to need some kind of light at some point. So I'll go with either flash uh, flashlight or some matches. Okay. Okay. Gum. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gum. And now gum is probably the most used thing in LucasArts games. It's, I couldn't think of any game, any Sierra game that had gum, but almost everything except for the obvious ones that wouldn't have gum in LucasArts had some gum puzzle in there. Fun to chew and a great adhesive, so it makes sense as an inventory. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And oftentimes you don't even use them in some, some of these games. I shouldn't say oftentimes, but in some of the games you don't even use that piece of inventory. Yeah. No, I'd, I'd love to see a character actually blowing bubbles with their gum. That would make it really good. But I'm oh, I'd probably sure just like that, that character then. <laughs> That'd be... Okay. I think that's Along cool. the lines of uh, a stick is a rock. You're going to need some kind of stone or rock or pebble or something at some point along the line. Probably as a distraction, but maybe to smash something in. Who knows? A lump of coal, something like that. Yeah. Oh, this last one is, gosh, there's so many that I'm going to think of, but especially in modern style games, they all have like some sort of cell phone, some sort of electronic device, PDA or, or, or something. And uh, a lot of those have very unique puzzles involved with them too, because there's so many different puzzles that you can interact with a PDA or a cell phone or electronic device. And so... My, I don't know if we're, if we're reaching the end here. Six. I think my last one six. is going to be money, which okay. ironically sort of exists only to remind you that you don't ever have enough of it. <laughs> exactly. You know, I've, got, I've got two coins, but I need five. So now I know what else to do. You know, you never start with a full wallet of money and go, man, I'm going to buy everything I need at the market. No. 
That nope. would be too easy, man. It would be way too easy. That would be way too easy. Yeah, well, yeah. if we're going with six, then I'm going to go with uh, food. There's some okay. food, some foods that these are the these are the best, by the way, that you decide, OK, I'm going to eat this. <laughs> and by best, I probably mean like the frustrating things. You'll be holding on to this food the entire game and you never use it. Yeah. Or you use it and you should you ate it and you shouldn't have eaten it. Like you need yeah. <laughs> you needed that food. No. King's Quest Five. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man. So Jack, what do you got going on this week over at the hotspot that you're working on? Well, um, we got some great uh, new reviews coming out, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, tomorrow, we're going to have the excavation of Hobbs Barrow. Choo choo. Uh, <laughs> and next week, geez, I have so many reviews I've been editing and, you know, prepping for future. I kind of forget what's what's coming. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah. Monday will probably be Crowns and Pawns, mm -hmm. which you and I have talked about several times. Very broken swordish, but set in Lithuania. We're going to have an interview with the developers of a really charming-looking dinosaur-themed game called Zid Journey. So that's huh. going to be a lot of fun, which is currently on Kickstarter. So um, you can run over there and check it out anytime. And probably a review of Lucy Dreaming. Gotcha. I... I probably didn't mention the one that you and a bunch of other people wanted to hear which is return to monkey island it is coming but unfortunately such is life with volunteer staff sometimes that uh life has its own plans that disrupt uh your own best laid plans so we had a bit of a setback there but it's coming it is coming as soon as we can get it done you hear that devs Jack is the one that's in charge of this stuff. So if you want to know when a, when a, when a game is coming, you go talk to Jack when a review or something, you talk to yeah, Jack. He, well, he handles this charge. Like one is in charge of herding cats kind of thing. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess in that sense, I am. I get emails. I'm like, I, I do not know the day to day when it comes to, when it comes to this stuff, Jack is the wizard. So talk to, like, talk fluid to even Jack. for me. So well, this was another fun adventure, another podcast that Jack and I have been on on Adventure Game Hotspot. Wherever you're listening to this, if you're listening to it on a podcast, make sure that you you give it five stars and, yeah. and share it because that really helps the algorithms. Also, if you're watching it on YouTube, I hope you are because we now have our own YouTube channel for the hotspot. It is Adventure Game Hotspot. That's where you'll find it over on YouTube. That's where these podcasts will be found if you want to actually watch them. We have a bunch of stuff on there already, 16 videos, and uh, it's starting, starting to climb. So go over to YouTube. I'm going to put the link in this description so that you can join. And make sure, of course, you go to Adventure Game Hotspot website for daily, daily content and just a really cool place to hang out because it's the hotspot. Yep. That's right. Anything you want to say on the way out, Jack? I don't know what more could be said. Just, yeah, no, everything you said, I, I agree with. I really hope uh, people enjoy the site and visit daily because that is our goal to have something, um, some kind of, new content for you every single day of the week uh, including weekends so i don't take a day off so neither does the site <laughs> <laughs> oh wow i feel bad now because i take lots of days off <laughs> yeah he does I can attest <laughs> different that. roles all right folks well we appreciate you you guys have a wonderful wonderful day take care yeah